0: All right, everybody, welcome to this week's episode of our podcast, True Data Ops. I'm your host, Kent Graziano, the Data Warrior. Each episode, we try to bring you new and interesting guests to talk about what's happening in the world of data and data ops. Now, today, it's a very special episode. We're actually live in person. We're sitting next to each other in the same room. Uh, My guest, Neil Strange, who is the CEO and founder of the UK consultancy Data Vault and also the organizer of the UK Data Vault User Group. Now, we're actually live in Stowe, Vermont at the Stowe Flake Lodge, attending this year's Worldwide Data Vault Consortium. And so that's why we had the opportunity to actually be here in person. It's really good to be here. Really good to be here. It's always a nice uh, place to
1: come every year. That's the the, the, the starting point for the next financial year and meet all the Old friends and, and colleagues, and uh, get to know each other better. Yeah, I think that this is the
0: yeah. first time. First time I've been back here in four years. Last time I was able to be here live was uh, was 2019. Yeah. You know, pre-COVID, mm-hmm. and I'm not even sure you were you here that year. I was. I yeah, was. So that's been, probably the last time I've seen you in person. Five out of the last seven years. So it's been well, well worth coming every yeah, year. Yeah. I I otherwise, we've seen each other on Zoom about a thousand times in the last. Five, occasionally in London. Yeah. Occasionally, so I have, yeah, occasionally in London, but I haven't been to London since then. No. So it's been a while. So, Neil, okay. obviously I know all about you and I give you a little mm-hmm. introduction, but if you wouldn't mind telling our audience a, a little bit about your background in data management and mm-hmm. the kind of things you've been into.
1: Okay. Um, I guess it goes back through my career, really, um, where I worked, who I worked for, the challenges that they had. Um, and you know, I've been in the industry for quite a while now. Um, over 30 years. I'm told it doesn't look, look like I have, but I have, and I've seen the, sort of the growth of the industry since the early 80s. Um, so back then people were just about um, introducing new uh, analytics capabilities. ERP came through with all the, the data management and process issues around that, but always in the background there was the need for, for that data and analytics, and I think over time things have got more and more mature. Um, and where I worked was kind of at the forefront of this. So I started off with systems integrators, where management reporting was a, a critical aspect of yeah. the systems being built, uh, and eventually then moved into Oracle, and uh, more on the uh, data analytics side than on the, uh, the, the process and, and ERP side. And then really progressed from there. Um, you know, the more advanced you get in the career, the more you deal with senior management, the more their problems are not technology, they're more data and what the quality is behind it, even though they don't realize. So it's about convincing people that the data is the problem. So yeah, my career path has more or less drawn me along that line and
0: data's been a key part of it. Yeah, and then, uh, well, how many years has it been now since you founded uh, the, your Data Vault consultancy?
1: Well, that's a, that's a long story. We started off as a company called Business Thinking.
0: Oh, that's right. Back yes. in
1: 2003. And then we realized we were doing more and more data vault projects and we looked and the name data vault was free in the UK. So uh, we chose it because we like to name ourselves after what we do. That's been a big, a big thing. You know, people, they know when they come to us what they're getting, basically. So but that's since 2017 we've been running as data
0: vault. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. So, um, what are you seeing these days in the, the data world? We talked talk a lot about that oh. here at the conference this week. So, what, what do you, you think is the hot thing? And what do you think is just hype that we should kind of put to the side for a little bit?
1: Well, um, I see uh, quite a few things on the move. Um, I think a really exciting thing, um, although it's quite mundane, is the software that lands data, stages the data for you. So companies like Fivetran, Stitch, and so on coming through that, that more or less take all the pain away because that's a really horrible thing to, to work on on a manual manual coding basis. Um, so they, they uh, through a configuration, just bring these, these, this data through that you need. That really accelerates the process of, of getting data ingested. So that area is quite mundane, as I said, but very, very important uh, in terms of speeding things up. On top of that, though, uh, DBT. I think DBT has uh, finally broken the ETL market down, uh, although it does the, the, the T bit of the LT. Um, it breaks it down into a true engineer's tool. So you can see the working parts in there. You can modify it. It gets away from these sort of uh, tools where you, you 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 drag and drop a few shapes onto a screen and it generates the code for you in the background. And you've got no real control over it. Now, DBT gives you that sort of fine fine control that's quite important, and then the rise of the CI CD and, and data pipeline stuff. So, the ability to automate and deliver uh, working code and to build in all the testing around that
0: as well. Automation. Yeah, I think
1: it's very, very important.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now, over the, the last couple of years, there's been seemingly a, a spike in interest in the data vault methodology itself. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your take on all of that in your experience. You know, <laughs> yeah. Any any root cause there that you can well, figure out, you know, why is this <laughs> happening after, after 20 years, right? We've been <laughs> doing the Data Vault stuff for 20 years, yeah. and now all of a sudden it's like, it's, it's become popular in the last couple of years. I'll let my secret out
1: there. I, th- I think the reason is, um, well, Data Vault's been there as an alternative for 20 years. Right. It just didn't answer what customers were looking for. So 20 years ago, I mean, Data Vault's really good when you're integrating multiple data sources, you're working at scale, you're working in the cloud, it's sort of perfect for that environment. 20 years ago, people had on-premise software, um, relational databases, terabyte-sized systems to work with, or um, even gigabyte-sized sometimes. Yeah. They just weren't looking for the sort of things that Data World offers. You know, Wind forward 20 years, we've got GDPR, data controls, we've got mm. cloud organizations with volumes of data they just don't know what to do with. And they're looking around for an architecture that sort of works but that gives them the robust nature of auditing and integration and data all pops out into the mix as hey that looks ideal let's have a go with that.
0: Yeah so the, the, to a certain extent the, with the technology that we had in the past and I'll say the volume and lack of variety of data yeah. the older methodologies worked okay that's right. right That's right. so there wasn't any need to really take on like a new concept and redo mm-hmm. the way you're, you're modeling your that's data right. for analytics yeah, yeah I, hadn't, I hadn't thought about that yeah there was that volume thing because when Dan invented Data Vault it was because he was doing dealing with massive scale from lots and lots and lots of different sources and so that's Data Vault right. solved that problem for him in the unique very large environment he was in that caused him to kind of invent Data Vault And I thought about that. Yeah, it's like from what he was doing in the 90s to what we were doing in the early 2000s, it actually was like orders of magnitude smaller. Mm -hmm. So you could afford to make some of the mistakes that people made and it wasn't nearly as critical as it is now because with so much data coming in so fast and the demands are constantly growing, we have to have an approach that is... More flexible, more scalable, uh, more fault tolerant. That's it. Yeah, is that? Uh, yeah, I hadn't thought about it from that perspective, folks. It was kind of because I, I saw the confluence of it with when I went to work for Snowflake, and Snowflake started getting bigger. I kept getting more and more calls about about data vault, and it was usually around. Well, you know, we're changing platforms, so we figured maybe it's time to examine our approach. But I think you may have gotten you know, more to the fundamental of why were they even thinking they needed to examine their approach? Yeah. Right. Is because enough other things in the environment had changed that, okay, now it's become well, more critical that we, we find a better way. I think you may
1: have seen this as well, but the number of clients I go to where their response times for a request, can you add a column to a table, please? Yeah. thousand hours' work, three months' work. Yeah. yeah. Or, Not acceptable. That's, that's crazy. And we're turning that around in two hours and we have time for coffee. Because we're waiting for approval to deploy, usually. So, yeah, it's it's pretty good.
0: So, you know, this is kind of the 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 loaded leading question. Here we go. <laughs> um, on, on data vault, do you think that data vault's really becoming a requirement as an architectural approach for organizations to be successful with their analytics these days? Good question. Um, uh, yes and no. I think
1: it depends on what the needs are. So, like I said earlier, if you've got a high integration requirement. Want the audit trail and so on, go down that route. If you're primarily auditing logs or, or analysing logs, you don't need a data vault, right? Yeah. You know? So um, I take great care actually when I work with clients not to just keep pushing data vaults at them. It's what do you got? What are you trying to do? Um, and if it's a good match, then it's it's uh, something worth evaluating. If it's not, you should be going down the sort of data lake and, uh, and stream analytics route. Okay. Yeah. But when you've got the insights from your stream, where do you put them?
0: Right. Yeah. Where do you store the results? That's right. So that could be the case for the Data Vault at that point. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, um, you know, this is the True Data Ops podcast. So you've got to ask, you know, where's the, you mentioned CICD as mm-hmm. uh, one of the things that's happening. So how do you see the, the overlap or intersection? We were talking about set theory in the last session we were in between data uh, DataOps and uh, the Data Vault 2.0 approach.
1: Well, um, I think the important thing is to be able to uh, deliver as much automation as you can nowadays. Okay, So if the developers are able to develop things really fast, but they're waiting two months to get something into deployment, that's not good. You know, Working code is important. Working code and deploy, uh, active use part the business. The more you can automate that, the better. But if you're going to automate that, you need to be able to do the full development of testing, official release approvals, and everything. And if you analyse the workflow of a lot of these things, you find development one day, sitting in a queue, waiting for approvals, 40 yeah. days. And then security needs it's going, and and how agile agile then at, that's not very agile yeah. at all. So um, I think data ops and all the rest of that's about bringing that, collapsing that, that point line as much as you can achieve. And um, sometimes going for uh, you know, automated approval, seeking, scheduling things, running the regression tests, providing evidence to the decision makers that things are safe to go, all that's very, very important. And there are so many moving parts in a, in a data platform now that you've got to orchestrate them properly, not orchestrate and running them, but orchestrate and deploy. So uh, DataOps is is uh, really
0: helpful in that space, but also in orchestrating the, uh, the live system as well. Right, yeah. right. So yeah, so we've, we've got this methodology with Data Vault 2.0 that has all these yeah. repeatable patterns and all of that, but we Pumping we, things out really yeah, fast. Yes. Yeah, yeah. so, <laughs> so now we've got a way to, to yeah. get it productionalized and also checking the quality. So automated regression testing, so things like that. And that's that uh, one of the things that I think often gets confused is people think that, well, Data Ops is just DevOps for data. but yeah, there, there's a bit. There's a bit more to it than that, <laughs> isn't there? I still get clients saying, "Why are you doing testing? Why are you doing testing?" It's, it's just,
1: doing it's testing? just oh data gosh. loads, It's just data loads. and then they have a complex load, and the tests flag up where it's gone wrong, and they say, "Oh, we see why you need test ah, um, yeah, yeah, So uh, we didn't break something while deploying something new.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's why I think you know testing uh, and automation are both pillars in the the. Uh, seven pillars of true data. Ops. Mm-hmm. There's a, a lot of things uh, in there that, yeah, we had a presentation uh, from Heli uh, the other day talking about data quality and, and the need for mm-hmm. testing. And nowadays it's even more important. I think this goes along with your earlier comments about why people are adopting DataVault because you know the scale and the rate of change and all that. And her point was that, well, what are we doing with this data? And it's not just BI dashboards, not just Tableau dashboards or Power BI anymore. It's now this is feeding machine learning Mm -hmm. in order to get to artificial intelligence. And if we're not making sure we've got good quality data, then
1: what are we teaching the machine? What's it learning? Exactly. What's it learning? And then the business, (laughs) and then you can't, machine can't always explain why it came up with the answer. So you're then looking at um, some recommendation coming out of a machine and people blindly acting on it and you right may have biases in there, you may have uh, you know, bad data steering the machine down the wrong way and you end up uh, with the business making quite disastrous decisions. Up right, yeah. And, and, because,
0: uh, and I have seen that as well. Simply <laughs> put, if you yeah. tell the machine 1 plus 1 is 4.5, hmm? it doesn't know any different. Nope. So if you don't have any quality checks going on in that data stream, then mm-hmm. yeah, you, you, the, the results and the recommendations coming That's out right. of that engine could be quite uh, Data cleaning quite, isn't, quite wrong. isn't the thing that your data scientists should be doing. Right. Yeah. In fact, they should all be working off the same data set so you can compare their answers. Yeah. A, a yeah. common data, data set. Or, uh, so what, what, is, uh, what, what was Doug just calling this? The uh, data enrichment platform. That's it. Right. Yeah, yeah. We're calling it data enrichment platform. It's, it's not just a data warehouse anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, it still has all the characteristics of what we know and love, but it's being used for many, many different things mm-hmm. than, than what we did in the past. So um, if you think about the, the, the true data op stuff, what kind of things uh, appeal to you and stood out to you looking at the, the pillars there? The pillars? Well, I mean, there are seven pillars. They're all in equally important.
1: For starters, So I went down there saying which one of these could I actually shed from a project and none of them really. Um, ones we particularly like are the, the automated testing and continuous deployment stuff. So it's um, very difficult to test a warehouse, very difficult to, to work on that and you, you need a good testing framework to do that, to work on that. A testing framework leads itself really well to automation. So um, when we run our projects, the testing harness doesn't exist. It's actually generated on the fly by the CICD stuff mm-hmm. and then destroyed on the fly as and when we don't need it. Um, and we, we, we flag up all these mock, mocked up tables and checking that the rules and mapping will work and take some of the testing also into live. So more smoke testing that doesn't destroy the data but sweeps in the background, checking that things are still okay in production as well. Quite important to do that.
0: So uh, what kind of things do you look for when you're, you're testing the data in your cloud? Um, well, data warehouse testing is very different from regular testing. So you get the,
1: the, the, uh, the non-data warehouse developers, as we call them. They're, they're into testing screens and behavior of user interfaces and so forth, and then the logic behind the scenes. We're looking at pipelines. So data over here, data over there, it's gone, it's gone through a pipe. There's some transformation that happens in the pipe. You're checking that that transformation is correct. So it's largely things like reconciliations and checking the rules being applied properly, which is a volume. Yeah, You've got
0: a thousand pipes, you've got a thousand tests to run. Yeah. And yeah. you would have to have a lot of data engineers to do that manually. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or at least people who could execute SQL scripts. That's it. Right. Yeah. So this is. What you're describing is, you know, repeatable patterns really in testing, right? If we, if we input, if, we, if there's a thousand rows in the source, there better be a thousand rows in the target, unless we had some rule that said filter some rows out. That's right. Right, and so you, you can, as uh, we say, just with Data Vault, it's eminently automatable. That's it. And then the, the question is, are people doing that? And even Ellie said, yeah, it's surprising how many organizations still aren't doing any sort of regular uh, testing for either from a data quality perspective or like a data pipeline perspective, mm-hmm. right? To see, uh, you know, are my pipelines working? Uh, Cause that's that's a big question. I mean, we always had that worry before when we called it ETL and we had ETL tools. Mm-hmm. And if the process fell over in the middle of the night the data warehouse didn't get refreshed. Mm-hmm. But if you didn't have any anything checking that you might not know until people came in the next morning. and You get the calls like, uh, why is yesterday's data not in my report? And then you go, uh-oh. <laughs> well, I've had clients that have loaded test data from a source system. Loaded test data from a
1: source system? Yes. Into the production into warehouse. The production warehouse. And they didn't spot it for two or three months. Two or three months? Um, they also wow. have mystery shopper information coming <laughs> yeah. in. Yeah. So why well, they got this really top customer that keeps coming in and buying stuff.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And they flagged them out as a gold customer and said, well, why are they... So far ahead of all the others and it turned out that was the mystery shopper. Oh, wow. So um, you know, you've got to be aware of what you're looking at. Right. Well, so that's
0: again, un- and this <laughs> is back to understanding the business, right? That's right. And what the business rules are and, mm-hmm. and and what we're trying to do here with the software. Wow. Um, that's interesting. So <clears throat> if we look at, you know, our triangle there, people, processes, and technology, um, what do you think is the biggest barrier to success? I think everyone
1: knows the answer to this. Well, right, right. technology is never a problem. Process is agile, sort of scrum-like, so that's been around for quite a while. We can argue for probably for hours about whether people are doing it properly, but they're trying It's the people aspects. And there are two main killers there. One is the skill of the BI team. Um, so you need certain specific skills to, to build a good warehouse and They seem to be sadly lacking out there. It's very difficult to find good data engineers. Um, It's sad in a way because the skills you need to learn can be picked up in just a few months. Um, But people seem to have through their careers, they've been focused on a particular tool. So they know this tool, (laughs) but not the theory behind it and why things are the way they are. Um, So that that sort of thing needs to be addressed because a lot of our clients feel um, that's a barrier to starting. On work or they start with a the, the team like that and make lots of mistakes.
0: Yeah, so it's yeah. not a
1: training issue, it's an education issue. It's an education <laughs> issue. You know, bright people in the team, they right. just haven't been used to working that way. Um, and then the second area is really the, the politics of an organization. You know, um, think about it, data warehouses are the source of metrics, metrics are the source of power. Yeah, so if you've got a new system coming in that's going to report metrics, there's a lot of business people are going to be interested in what's going on and protecting their particular turf or wanting to ensure that their, their um, measures on which their bonus aren't uh, being changed around. So you get this metal uh, in, interference, checking going on and disputes. So you become a football in the organisation, really, and you've been kicked around from one team to the other. Mm. Um, so it's often that, that that causes a problem, not not anything
0: else. Yeah, and that that really is pretty much directly related to the culture of the organization as to whether or not you are, you know, if you're punished or you're rewarded. Um, I know when we started doing Agile, one of the things that was hard to get across to people was the idea that it's okay to fail mm-hmm. as long as you learn from it. Yeah. And and the, the the old Agile phrase, fail fast, right? It's like, yeah, let's, let's not spend months and months and months and months spinning our wheels doing something that really isn't working. So many
1: clients don't want to start a project until they're sure what the outcomes are going to be. Um, But you can't. I mean, a a warehouse is not a project. It's a a process. It's a program that goes on and on and on. Um, I always say to my clients, if if the users stop asking for new metrics, then the business is dying. So, you know, brush your resume up if the requirements dry out. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. They've always got new questions, new insights that they need information on. So there's a never-ending stream of stuff coming through to the team. Yeah, and, um, yeah, and uh, Data Vault particularly sets yourself up for reuse of data and speed of response as long as the data's in there.
0: Yeah, exactly. So um, after talking about all this, do you think that it's really possible these days for organizations to deliver value from their data at scale if they're not adopting something like you know DataOps, DataVault, some sort of, I'll say, repeatable automated methodology like this. It's always possible. Um, but this might cost a lot. It huh? is. Well,
1: you tend to have bigger teams. Um, it's highly complex. <coughs> uh, I'm sure you've been into organizations which have brilliant, smooth running BI. Behind that's a very frustrated, overworked BI manager who's got the hands on all the detail. It's QAing everything and everything's beautifully aligned and organized. So all that energy is being put into organising the files and making sure they're named properly. Things like that. And Then that key person leaves and another person comes in and two months later the whole thing's falling apart um, because they haven't been the same level of diligence. Automation loses the need for that. It organises things for you and makes sure things are properly done and standards are applied. So you can then sort of raise the the thinking and look at the the value added aspects of a project. So um, yeah, that's that's what I think. Yeah, and then it's a lot easier to yeah. absorb change. That's it.
0: And if you get suddenly get ten new sources of data through mergers and acquisitions, that's something it. like that, it's a lot lot easier to get there because I think that's part of it. Is like you said, you might have the frustrated BI managers making everything look really smooth. It was like the current size of the organization, the current issues in the well, He he could do it, but yeah. then something completely changes <laughs> and throws it
1: off. Well, that's the problem. You see, they're so focused internally <coughs> on how the BI team is working that they don't have time to go
0: out and talk to, to users. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what they need to do and, is and the are, at least the And business executives that's that it. might be able to tell them, hey, there's a train coming. That's it. We're planning on acquiring four companies in the next two years. That's it. You need to be ready for that. Yeah, yeah. they don't have time. They're too busy checking yeah. the files and name correctly. Wow. So uh, but I think the automation allows more teams to, to work to that level. Right. But it also requires people changing their mindset. on, on how they're It's a mindset. They it's do. a mindset change. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. And adopting a new mindset. So um, one, uh, you know, the fun question I like to have people ask, we've, we've been talking about all this data vault stuff and data ops is, what would you do if you weren't in the data world? Whew. I think I'd probably be a teacher a teacher yes yeah oh, that makes sense i mean yeah yeah you are a teacher if you asked me when i was six i would have said an astronaut an astronaut yeah but uh, i said I the same thing i didn't get there unfortunately
1: <laughs> so <laughs> but yeah i think i would probably be a teacher
0: because so i like um helping people understand things better um, mm-hmm. yeah so um where can uh, the listeners follow you and see what's happening in in the uk and the data vault world and Well, we have a number of things. I'm sure
1: we'll provide connections after this and links, but um, we have uh, a monthly user group meeting, uh, which is uh, late in the afternoon, so it's possible for the US to join on time zone differences. Uh, We have a user group community, and we've got over 2,700 members for that worldwide. Um, We have a user group website. We've got recordings of all our previous events. There's about 34 up there now. Um, and we and, and we should tell people
0: this all started in a upstairs room at a pub oh, upstairs in room a pub in
1: London a rainy night. What,
0: what, what year was that? That was two thousand and eighteen. Twenty eighteen. Yeah. So one of my first trips to London. You came
1: along. Dan came along <clears> to which is yeah. very well attended. Um, and uh, but it's much better than a rainy night in a pub upstairs to be online across the world and. Uh, Yes, to no. I mean, there's something to be said for being. Uh, <laughs> well, I guess that's the case, but with some fresh pints at the end of the events, we usually have a, an informal chat with anyone who remains online, so yeah. that, that's quite nice.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, but yeah, we do a monthly thing there. We have a, um, if you're interested in learning about Data Vault, we run a two hour free training class every fortnight. Um, that's designed for the US people, that's every two weeks. Every two weeks, beg your pardon. Um, we're just opening up in the US, so our US. Uh, Director will be also running a U.S. version of that oh, great. Um, later in the day so we can get the Pacific time in as well. Um, that's well worth coming along to. We go into some depth about how DataVault works and that will inform you um, enough to decide whether you like the method or not. Um, we also have um, a forthcoming uh, conference in September, 6th and 7th of September this year, um, in a uh, beautiful college in London University, very close to... Heathrow. Oh. Um, we're really excited about that. And that's our inaugural uh, conference, and uh, we've got an exciting line of speakers uh, coming up, and that went live this morning. Good. Uh, so, uh, yeah, please come and check that out if you're interested in traveling to the States. Yeah, yeah. Or, so, uh, sorry, UK, just,
0: just far enough out yeah. there, you know, we get, we, we get our brains exploding at this conference this week <laughs> and We have time to recover through the that's summer, it. and then beginning of September, so we, do it again. That's right. We've
1: got that. And um, if you go to our website, we have. Uh, links, we have a whole page dedicated to describing what Data Vault is and, and looks, providing links out web, to blogs. website URL? Uh, that would be data-vault.com. Data-vault.com. Yeah, that's right. Okay. We have links to blogs and so on, including a number of yours as so a good introduction to Data Vault. And finally, if you go to the user group as well, we have a and a on there, sort of like a stack exchange. So uh, register, free to use, and there's a big community there providing answers to questions. Mm-hmm, so there's a lot going on. Lots of links, and it's a lot easier now than it was in 2017 to find stuff on the internet. Yes, and yeah. there's books as well being written, so that's that's a good thing.
0: Yep, yep. yep. Well, uh, thanks for being my guest today. You're welcome, very it's welcome. Great, that, I'm glad we were able to do this yes, in, in person so. after all these years. So, uh, we need to take a little time away from the event. We'll, we'll get back to that. Um, thanks for everybody else for joining us online. Be sure to join me again in two weeks. My guest is going to be Snowflake Data Superhero and Data Vault Certified Practitioner, VP of Data Management for Eon Collective, Keith Belanger. And we'll have a very similar conversation around Data Vault and automation with him. He's also an automation expert. So that should be a really exciting uh, talk. And uh, he and I will probably do a little bit of a retrospective on this particular conference because it'll be two weeks out in the future. So. Thanks everybody for joining. Uh, be sure to like the replays and tell your friends about the True Data Ops podcast. Send them the links so that they can uh, get registered and, and catch us on a regular basis. Until next time, Ken Graziano, The Data Warrior, Neil Strange, okay. signing off for now. Bye. Bye.